It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Uh, I would like to thank Mr. Lurie. Uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, I just want to thank Mr. Lurie. First and foremost, I want to thank uh, Mr. Lurie. I would like to first, I would like to thank, you know, the organ, um, the Eagles organization. My name is Ron Brooks, obviously. Sam's our number one. We're, we're not entertaining any any offers. No, you asked me about the trades. Now you're talking about contracts. It's not making any sense what you're saying. I'm going to go on the next question. And it is episode number 154, uh, brought to you by Clip It, as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening out there, whether that is uh, on SoundCloud, whether that's on Stitcher, iTunes. We thank you for tuning in each and every week, or as like last week, I, I think the past two weeks, we've actually pumped out six different podcasts because the Eagles and free agency has been so crazy. And I expect it to kind of continue here as we're going to get into a lot of that. Uh, on this episode with Mr. Ben Natan. Ben, how are you, sir? Well, John, I took a three-hour nap today, so I can say I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I was just talking to Ben, too. He took the three-hour nap. As you know, Ben's like a big power lifter and has, like, you know, just a solid core all over. I haven't lifted in 10 years. For the first day, uh, I-, I finally lifted. I'm trying to I'm trying to trim out the fat here. I'm trying to lose 35 pounds, Ben. So you were me today, and I was you. And then what, what kind of world are we living in right now? We're trying to find balance in the force, John, I think. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Speaking of balance in the force, uh, well, this is the other opposite now, too, because Ben is drinking like three gallons of water. I have this wonderful Bell's uh, uh, ale in my hand as we're going to be drinking all throughout this process, because here's why we're celebrating a couple of things. First of all, uh, the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes are, are playing Temple in the NCAA tournament opening round, and I've already found some enemies, so uh, here's my chance to just say, uh, fuck Temple for a couple of hours, and uh, I know I'm going to make friends doing that. Secondly, we have officially found our draft spot. We The post is up. We'll put it uh, in the post here at BleedingGreenNation.com right here. It is going to be a draft party at Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue in South Philly, April 28th. 
It's starting at 7 p.m. The whole crew is going to be down there. We're going to be drinking beers. We're going to be eating food. We're going to be talking NFL draft for hours and hours and hours. The people over at phillyinfluencer.com, Sean Brace, our good co-host that cut jumps on every now and again, going to be there as well. There's going to be a ton of giveaways, uh, a ton of different swag from uh, the Clippit crew. That's C-L-I-P-P-I-T at Clippit TV and ClippitTV.com. Uh, we're going to be doing that. And most important, the biggest thing that we're giving away, along with just reacting to the draft picks, so everybody that comes down, and I know there's a lot of people that said, hey, I'm from Maine, I'm coming. Hey, I'm in Virginia, I'm coming. And there's uh, actually a couple people in Sweden <laughs> in, the, in the comments section last week. I said, hey, if you can make it up from Sweden, I'm buying all your beer. Seriously, that would be amazing. So if you make it down, you're going to be a part of the live broadcast. We're all going to be there. We're going to be taking questions from you. Uh, but like I said, the biggest thing that we're going to give away there is we're going to have a raffle for the home opener this season. Eagles tickets, baby, we're giving them away. So please join us. Again, bleedinggreennation.com for all the details there. Uh, we're going to post it a million times to remind you in between there. April 28th, 7 p.m., going down at Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue. Let's get into the business here, Ben, because uh, the I, I would like to pat myself on the back here because I correctly predicted Mark Sanchez with a sixth or seventh round uh, conditional pick here uh, to Denver. So that happened this week. Again, uh, I think Howie's been having a, a phenomenal wheeling and dealing offseason thus far. This is just another thing off the plate. They actually save another million dollars in cap room here. Uh, and uh, I heard Chris Stuber compare... Mark Sanchez to John Elway. So it's been a fantastic week as far as that's been going on, but uh, just another great move here by Howie, right? Yeah, I mean, if I was ever going to a bar, I think I need Howie as my my wingman because he could sell he could sell water to the ocean. It's really incredible <laughs> yeah, yeah. what he's been doing the past uh, week and a half. Yeah, uh, also, um, I can't remember. I believe him and Jeffrey Laurie right now are actually co- contributing to different campaigns uh, on both sides of the party here. I think I read that there this week so it's he really can just uh sell to everybody there yeah uh, the um the other thing that's been kind of popping up here is that nolan carroll has been talking to a lot of people and it's not hasn't just been the eagles reportedly here he went down to dallas didn't come away with a uh, a contract there thinking about going back to miami which would be weird to have byron maxwell and nolan carroll being your one and two down in miami uh, i'm still not sure what they're doing down there and we'll get into more of that in a little later on in the show but I think this is kind of this is a very big deal here um, because I understand and I would do the trade 500 times out of 500 times for Byron Maxwell to be in Miami and Kiko Alonso to be down there and to be five spots higher in the first round. I think that's you, you don't take that back. But the problem now is, is you're going to run into the same situation you were in last year and having to and look, they didn't pull the trigger on any big named cornerback here, you know, Prince of Mukamura. Signed with the the Jaguars. He was probably the last guy that I thought in free agency could probably do pretty well here despite the injury history, and I know there's still some risk down there. But you don't have Nolan Carroll back. That means you really just have Eric Rowe, and I know that McKelvin is there, and I think that could be a, a decent bridge cornerback there. But where does this now set the Eagles as far as cornerback depth? That That, to me, seems like you really only have one true starter there. So where do you go from there if he doesn't resign? Well, it puts the team at a disadvantage and and their free agency philosophy over the past couple of years has been supplementing the needs on the team so you can go into the draft and, and really not have to force a pick. 
And they're in the situation right now where there is a pretty glaring hole at the corner, the second cornerback spot. And while, while McKelvin has been, you know, service serviceable over the course of his career, you don't really want to, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't really want to hand that spot to him. Uh, and it's, it's kind of dangerous because you don't want to be sitting in the top 10 of the draft and feel like you really need to force a pick while there are talented cornerbacks in the draft. I really want the team to just think, be thinking about let's add the best player on the board and going into it where they need to get a walk away with a cornerback. And, you know, it, it, it just, it's, it's a little bit reckless and there, you know, there's cornerbacks on the free agency market, uh, Leon Hall is is available. Uh, Terrence Newman, he had a pretty decent season last season. Patrick Robinson, you know, guys who have been successful recently, who the team team might at least want to look at. But if they could get Nolan Carroll back, you know, familiarity with the, the city, familiarity with the front office, I think that'd be really good, especially since he was having a very strong season before he got injured last year. Isn't Terrence Newman like 60? <laughs> he is 60. He's still he's still going strong, John. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess yeah, there's something like that for a one-year deal. I, the one thing we can be very happy about, and this is this is to our neighbors to the, I guess the north uh, east here, is that the Giants put in a whopper of a contract for Janoris Jenkins, and the first things out of his mouth in the press conference are, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to work on not being as lazy towards the end." Of the game. <laughs> so you're just like, "Oh my God, that I mean, that is." That is a that is a great thing. So whatever it is, the sixty two point five million dollars, twenty eight of that guaranteed, looks very much similar to a Byron Maxwell contract. And just again, they're getting over overpaying over there too because they're in the same spot. The Giants are in the same spot as they were or have been. I mean, they've they've drafted Landon Collins, Womp. Uh, you know, there I see I still see a lot of people that are. Getting uh getting mock drafted uh, to them as far as safeties go, which I think is hilarious, and that's I think you know I I just think the Giants are going to be a complete mess here in the secondary again. So at least there's those two wins in the in the column again, and I think that kind of continues on here unless something dramatic changes there. I just want to get your quick thoughts on on that signing before we uh, head back into Carroll here. Well, they they also invested a hundred million dollars or something like that into their into two defensive linemen. Um, neither of which, it, I mean, Damone Harrison, outstanding run defender, can't rush the passer worth, worth shit. Um, and Olivia Vernon, who, while is, you know, he's a very good player. He was still the third best pass rusher on the Miami Dolphins defensive line. And they paid him more money per year than JJ Watt and Justin Houston. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, really? Like, really? <laughs> so, God bless Jerry Reese. That's all I'll say. God yeah. bless him. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. We appreciate yeah. it. Uh, and, yeah. and, well, and just to say to the, the other Jerry, actually, we got to say, damn it, Jerry. Uh, well, at least to some. Will they miss his play here in this scheme? Probably not. Uh, but Cedric Thornton does sign with the Cowboys, uh, just checking on their neighbors down to their to the south. Um, you know, at least he got a, a deal. And I'm happy for Cedric Thornton to actually get a deal instead of keep playing on these one-year tenders over and over again. We spoke to him last offseason, and, you know, he he had said sacks makes money. And uh, although that really didn't come to him, I'm glad he found a spot. It's just going to have to suck rooting against him for a while here. So uh, no big things there. Also, just uh, off note, you know, there was a lot of expectance of the, you know, the 49ers to go in and spend a ton of money because they had the cap room. 
whoops, I guess we got that wrong. You know, I mean, like, I I think that also kind of tells me that Trent Balky is in control there as a, as a general manager, at least for now. So it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on with that Kaepernick situation to the Browns and other stuff that really doesn't concern the Eagles, but it's still fun to talk about anyway. So I just want to come back to Carroll here because this is this is where I think it's starting to kind of change some of the draft here. And this is going to be some of our main topic points here is because, look, I, I understand that there is a, a battle going on here at, uh, at at eight now. I mean, this this really does, to me, Ben, change the entire landscape of the draft I think we touched on that last episode as well where it's just this is a whole different ball game with a whole different kind of talent pool here just like you were talking about yeah I'm not comfortable I like McKenzie I like Hargraves I'm not comfortable pulling the trigger and making them start right away because you even saw that with Eric Rowe last year at least he had the buffer of Nolan Carroll at least there were guys out there where you could kind of learn and understand the system maybe that again maybe that's McKenzie but where does that you think that puts the Eagles, I guess, need for a cornerback? Does it put it that early at eight? I, I think if you're going into the draft with, with the current cornerback situation untouched, it, it does put pressure on on that eighth pick for to, to make it a cornerback, and uh, it's it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to kind of be to be put in that position, but I, you really cannot go into the season depending on Leotis McKelvin to take over, you know, not only depending on Leotis McKelvin, but also, you know, praying that Ja'Cory Shepard has his legs under him and can show out in camp like he did last season before he, before he unfortunately got injured. Uh, And there's way too many variables on in the current roster to, to gamble with that eighth pick. And I, I feel like they would have to force a cornerback pick. And, and while I do like Mackenzie Alexander a lot, and I do like Vernon Hargraves a lot, uh, you know, I would, I would be a little bit uncomfortable when I feel like there might be a better player available there. Yeah. And I, I even asked that today, and this is kind of what I want to lead into here is because I was just, just, I was just saying, I was just testing the temperature here. If these guys are here at eight, who do you take? And I still don't know. There's a, there's still a lot of questions to be answered here. We don't know. Maybe there's a couple of second and third tier moves that the Eagles are going to end up doing here. But number one, I have uh, Jared Goff. It's a possibility that he falls into that eight spot. Maybe Carson Wentz actually makes it there too, but I I, I doubt that. Hope on. Maybe all the quarterbacks fall. Who knows? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott obviously has been a popular topic, and uh, I got to say Ben's been on that train forever. Now suddenly people are talking about it all the time. Just want hmm. to point that out there. <laughs> Uh, and then I have Har- Hargraves there, and then uh, Mr. Stanley, uh, because I think people are obsessed still with the offensive line, no matter if they play guard or tackle or guardy McTackle or guardy McBeef. I think people want that kind of short up because they saw what happened last year, and it was chaos. Here's the results. This is after 604 people voting on this. Jared Goff's to the lowest at 13%, which I find very interesting as far as like a conversation that we had a month ago, and it wouldn't have mattered if... Sam Bradford was here or not that uh, everybody wanted a quarterback. So I'm, and there was a lot of Jared golf fans out there and I know some of them voted in this thing, which I thought was interesting. Second on that list is Hargraves, which, which uh, as the second lowest, I, I should add the second lowest total at 26% of those is Hargraves uh, Stanley neck and neck with Zeke. 
Zeke wins out at 31% over Stanley at 30%. What happened? How is, how is everyone obsessed now with Ronnie Staley? Like, I, I was fine with him if they were down at, like, 13, 14, 15. You wanted to trade back and do this. Now he's suddenly a top 10 player here, and I'm just kind of baffled by the narrative that is building with that, at least from what I've seen and watched, and I'm sure, Ben, you have seen and you watched. What's up with the Stanley love now? Well, I think people get caught up in the mythos of uh, the safe pick at, as uh, as a tackle is so often lauded as being the safe pick, and, and it, it's it blows my mind because you look at the... Not even it doesn't you don't you don't even need to go far back. You look at Greg Robinson. You look at you know even Luke Jokel or you look at uh, Matt Khalil. I mean these guys went top three in their in their respective drafts and and they were regarded as you know can't miss tackle prospects. You know you need to take them and and they all suck. There's no need to dance around it. I mean they're just bad football players and it's just a. Re- ridiculous idea that any one position should be regarded as being quote unquote safe because it just it just doesn't exist you take good football players you know you look at the tape uh, you look at their combines you look at interviews you put all that together that's that is the recipe there isn't one position that you should say oh well this is a safe pick in the first round you know if you want to go for safe picks in the first round take a fucking kicker for all i care <laughs> because you know they'll, they'll get all their field goals and They'll, they'll get all their field goals and it'll uh and the fans will be happy because you know they they did their job as they were supposed to it's 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 ridiculous and, and frankly the people should be more concerned with getting good football players not whatever a safe football yeah. player is and and the fact of the matter is you know Stanley's not even that can't miss tackle prospect now if it was Laramie Tunsil we were talking about then I would be willing to sit down and have a conversation about it because I think Tunsil is going to be a star in the NFL. I think he's going to go probably top three in this draft, but I think he's going to really be a star. But when you look at Stanley during the season, uh, I wrote up a scouting report back on, I think in uh, November on him and his, his big thing is his Trump card was how, how good he was in terms of movement skills uh, and, and, you know, he was a good athlete. He was good mover, moved around the edge very well. Very, he was really good at mirroring the defensive lineman, but he had some, you know, strength issues and that was kind of a concern, but good movement, good technique, whatever. But he comes to the combine, you know, he weighs about 310 pounds at the combine and his athleticism, it very tests very, very poorly. And what that says to me is that he was probably playing during the season at a much lighter weight and tried to bulk up for the combine and just slowed down. It, it slowed down. <laughs> yeah. And if and if you can't be if you, that athleticism cannot translate with weight gain and you need to be a 280 pound offensive lineman in order for that that movement to, to really come out for you, then I, I really have a lot of concerns. And it reminds me of uh, DJ Humphreys last year, who was a first round pick out of Florida, went to the Cardinals and Humphreys was playing at Florida about 275 pounds as an offensive tackle. And. He didn't. I don't think he played it down for the Cardinals last year because they're trying to really, you know, condition him and, and, and give him sit him and give him some time. So if you're looking at that same situation with Stanley, where you need to let him marinate in the NFL for him to, you know, or whatever to become a good NFL player, why the hell would you take that in the top ten? It just makes no sense. Well, yeah, and the, the, I mean, like the discussions that kind of go back and forth on this thing, especially with 
And and look, I know the the argument for Ezekiel Elliott has always been you don't draft running backs that high. You don't do it. Well, I mean, you know, it's tell that to Dodd Gurley and the Rams. Tell that to a, a bunch of people. Look, you can you we we even went through a bunch of the different lists of whatever. Yeah, there's always going to be misses in there, right? I mean, especially like Todd Gurley's a good example of this. And it's listen, I'm not making it the the only one either. I know that there's a ton of misses in the first round. There's Trent Richardson. There's a whole bunch of other people that are in there that have missed. But the one thing you will always notice, and this is this doesn't matter at any position, at any position that you find there, if there's a guy that has so much potential to reach superstardom, they're all at the top. You know, very rarely do you find those guys that are there. You you can throw out names. Yes, there are chances there are guys that fall through the cracks for whatever reason. Bad talent evaluation. They were hurt. They had a, a weed problem. They drink too much. There's whatever. There's all the, all of that going in there. That always happens every year. Just go watch the, that whole the, that when Dan Marino got drafted. That, that it happened there too. Like it happens every single year. But you don't take the lesser player. Just like Ben was saying, out of whatever safety or need or however it is, because the the difference between the the potential of what Zeke could be and the potential of what Stanley could be are so far different from one another, at least in my opinion. And I think that's what people got kind of get hung up on here. I think that Stanley, at best, could be top ten right tackle, top fifteen somewhere around there, because and it's and it's not going to be immediate. I think Zeke has the ability to be one of the best running backs in the game, and it might happen in year one. You know, so I, I'm I'm willing to kind of take that leap there. Even Hargraves, I wouldn't do that. There's no way. And I'm I'm telling you, if there's guys around there that are, and look, this is a silly statement because it's pretty obvious, but if there is Miles Jack, or just like Ben was saying, if there's Tunsil around there, or by God Ramsey, if he's anywhere close to that. I think you got to try and find a way to move up and go get those guys. But aside from all that, with those guys being there, I mean, this is this is the problem that we kind of always trying to get into. People are rating Stanley very close to Ezekiel Elliott, and I think that's the problem. I think they want to they're they're addressing hey offensive line is a need, and they're really not looking at the athletic ability that these two can provide at their respective positions. Ben, do you agree with that? Yeah, and another thing people need to consider is that Ezekiel Elliott will be touching the ball twenty five times 20, a game. Repeat it again. Twenty years old. Twenty. Yeah, and and nobody will be touching the ball more than him besides the quarterback. So he's going to have a massive impact on the game throughout the game as the offensive playmaker and he's going to he can be he will he will be the centerpiece of the offense and when he's not running the ball he can catch the ball and he's when he's not catching the ball he can pass protect i mean he can do everything and do it in an, at an elite level and people want to pass up on him for a projection at offensive tackle it just it makes no sense and and it just goes back to this this total myth of the safe player and it's it's ridiculous it's just totally absurd now out of that who who would you be taking there ben because to me pretty much and i think somebody had asked it and this is yeah from the han if wentz and golf are there at eight what's the likelihood that the eagles take them there i mean because that's really hard for i even even i who are not i like wentz i'm not as i i know where both you and i are not golf fans but it would be extremely hard, I think, for the Eagles situation to not at least pull the trigger there. And then that's that also worries me at the same time, too, because we talk about all this plus. But if they're there, what's the likelihood the Eagles pull the trigger? 
Well, in terms of a schematic fit, I think that Goff probably fits into what Peterson would want to do more than what Wentz would want to do. I think uh, Goff provides a little bit more in terms of uh, a cerebral passer who does, you know, he's good with anticipatory throws, uh, touch, you know, stuff like that. Whereas Wentz is more of a see and throw type of player, uh, you know, working in a really simplistic system coming out of North Dakota State. And also, he's he has some projection in terms of you know poison the pocket and making pro reads. Where I think golf is a little bit more polished in that regard. Now, frankly, I wouldn't touch either of them in the first round. I think that both of them have massive questions. You know, golf is much you know very undersized, small hands, doesn't have a great arm, doesn't have great poise in the pocket. Wentz uh, doesn't have a lot of experience playing. I mean, he's played like. I want to say he's played like 16 college games or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, he's, he's coming from, it'll be a massive jump going from the FCS as an FCS quarterback to the NFL with so little time under your, under his belt. And also there's an injury concern and there's just way too many red flags for me to take either of them in the top 10. Now in terms of who the Eagles would probably prefer, they probably prefer golf, uh, you know, three year starter, um, you know, highly regarded by his teammates. Apparently he didn't interview well with Cleveland, but you know, he he has a lot of regard coming from his teammates and he, in terms of what he actually does as a passer, it kind of fits into that Alex Smith type of mold that, you know, Peterson was so used to working with in, in Kansas city. Yeah. I am kind of the same way there, uh, Rohan. So I, I think there's, I, I, I don't, me personally, I don't think you can take, Take that there, but I I do think they're probably more a Jerry Goff fan there. The percentage that way they would do it, I obviously we're not in their heads. I have no idea. I would lean that it's more 50-50 to take a quarterback there if it's something like that kind of falls into their lap. That's another thing you have to question here, Ben, is just like why? Obvi- well, <laughs> that's really dumb. Obviously, you want to take the, the better draft position. There's more talent there. You could swing and still, and still hit pretty well up there. There's a better chance to get acquire better talent. But uh, do you think that there was an actual motive behind the Miami trade to get there? Like, do they have, not that I want you to say a player, but do they, do you think the Eagles have a player in mind by doing this? I don't, I I don't think they have a player in mind. I think, you know, Harry Roseman said it. He wanted to get into the top 10. He wanted to get a blue chip talent. And I think that the way this draft shakes out, it's a very, very, very top heavy draft. And when I look at this draft, you know, I see Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Laramie Tunsil, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, those four players, those are the four elite blue chip players in this class. And then you have, you know, just the tier right below them. You have uh, Corey Coleman, Laquan Treadwell, Vernon Hargraves, Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Sheldon Rankins, I think is, is that in that second tier of player. But once you get into the top 10 and you factor in the inevitable reach for a quarterback and also the inevitable Cleveland fuck up, um, <laughs> there, there's going to be at least one of those, you know, top two tier players who fall into the Eagles lap. And I think that how you know, knows that this team is in desperate need of some kind of playmaker and, and wants to put the team in a prime position to get one. And another thing is, in you, once you're in the top 10 and the Eagles have now loaded up on draft capital, they have two picks in the third round, uh, both of which are very high. They have a very high pick in the fourth round and they have nine picks overall in the entire draft. So they have you know a lot of draft capital going for them. 
right now. So they're sitting in the top 10. So if they want to be mobile within the top 10, they absolutely can because they have the capital to do that. And if a team is sitting at three or a team is sitting at two or a team is sitting at five, um, it's a lot easier to convince them to move back to eight rather than having them move back to 13. So it just gives the team a lot of options and in the end puts them in a great position to get, you know, a top level player. If they just would have lost a game, last season they would have taken care of everything that's you know i mean all they had to do is lose to the giants but hey i'll i'll take i'll take this too i want to just track back to the ezekiel elliott talk just for a second because who out of those four let me let me just give you a dream scenario here obviously you would be happy with any of them miles jack ezekiel elliott hargraves uh let's throw in um i don't know no we'll just stick with those three who, who, who are you picking out of those three? I am taking Ezekiel Elliott 100 wow. times out of 100. Because I'm, I'm just going to – I just want to throw a little bit of curveball. And this is coming from probably one of the biggest Miles Jack stands on on <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, I, I think he's going to be an absolutely tremendous football player. But when you look at Jim Schwartz and what he really wants from the linebacker position – it, it really comes down to a, a more disciplined football player. And while Miles Jack is just truly outstanding and, and just a really incredible athlete, I think he's more in that playmaker vein of uh, of dynamic rather than just like a facilitator vein of, of linebacker where, where, you know, a facilitator type of linebacker just kind of read, react, and attack. Whereas the playmaker is going to try to guess and, you know, shoot gaps and, and attack, you know, right off the bat attack and try to create those big plays. And while that's really fantastic, what happens in Jim Schwartz's defense when you're getting that wide nine alignment is it puts so much pressure uh, on the linebackers that uh, that's screwing up that, you know, kind of missing on that gamble could lead to a really big play. And it, there's so much pressure being put on the linebackers. I think Schwartz is going to be putting a lot of emphasis on you know gap integrity and and staying with uh, just generally staying with assignments and everything like that and leaving the playmaking really to the defensive linemen so i think that jack is just i mean just a tiny bit more of a projection in this team where he's gonna there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve I i still think he can be an outstanding player but when you're looking at ezekiel elliott you're talking immediate impact at a very important position. I don't want, I don't care what anyone tells me. Anyone who touches the ball 25 times a game, that's an important position. So young impact player, elite talent, give me him over any player in this draft 100 times out of 100. Yeah, uh, and this is what I think people don't understand either. Uh running back is a need. Running back is 100% a need. DeMarco Murray is not here. Sproles is probably on his last NFL career year ever uh ryan matthews is probably you know might be here next year but he's not going to get a majority of the carries you need ezekiel elliott here you really do so i i I know like you can even backtrack the the train that i was on from like even at 13 even when we were having those conversations two months ago where i'm like no you can't do that you just can't do that sorry you just can't take that at 13 but then you just you go back and rewatch and you're like, well, uh, okay, I'm kind of warming up to it. I'm starting to listen to Ben here. Maybe I can get convinced. Uh, the whole running back thing, I'm not sure. Then I have my old Ohio State bias that's there, <laughs> which I think is a part of my the Hargraves thing too because he had a terrible bowl game. 
So that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, I like it, but I don't know. Uh, but you just, again, you start looking at these things. You start looking at what he can do. The fact that he's so physical, along with being athletic and his agility is incredible. Uh, plus, hey, this 40 times not too bad. Yeah, we can look at Keith Marshall and go, oh, wow, that's fast. And I'm sure that he's got, he's another guy that I really like. Derek Henry, we've had that fight before. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not feeling that. The better players are at the top of the draft. The better players are at the top of the draft. Sorry. I mean, like, you, you, there can be there can be running backs that can be serviceable. There's guys everywhere that you can find here, but the majority of the time, the best running backs are there. They're they're in that they're in those first sixty picks. So look, there's a lot of different ways that they could go with this thing here, and I just think that yes, as far as we've talked about, there are enough. I won't say enough. There are a lot of playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, and I still think that they should look there too. Again, to have that optionality there. Look, if those if one of those guys is there, great. That's great. You know, the 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 pass rotation kind of sucks. They want to move back into the first round or somehow, you know, they they take Noah later. They take some of those DNs that, I don't know, it's just kind of, it's it's a weird, it's a, again, it's a weird draft. It's, it's, it's top heavy. So they it, it, that's what kind of makes this thing uh, most important here. And I just, I think Ben makes the, the best points here where, the guy's going to touch the ball the most <laughs> and you need playmakers on the offense. So I, I think I'm, I think we're all in the Ezekiel Elliott train. I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Uh, the, the, and speaking of pass rushers here, Ben, this is the other thing that's been kind of come out coming up this week. And I know we've gone back and forth with this too. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people defending the rotation of pass rushers on this football team. And I look at the starters and I say, yes, Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with BG and Vinny Curry in a 4-3. I think that's going to work out just fine. I think that's going to be great. Uh, but just like offensive, uh, or excuse me, just like uh, outside linebacker last year, there wasn't a lot of options after that. You know, there wasn't, there There still hasn't been a Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry, and then Trent Cole on the other side. There hasn't been that third pass rusher that you can rotate somewhere here and there. Uh, and I hear that, oh, Barwin's going to be fine. Bar- Barwin hasn't played defensive end ever is going to be fine in the National Football League. It's going to be just fine as a backup tackle and what he gets paid for. Uh, I think it's interesting that he's still here because I look at Schwartz's defense and I look at wide nine, and I think he can be okay in a wide nine. I think everybody gets a little more sacked if you're playing on the defensive end side in that system. Uh, do you expect him to still be here at the end of the uh, at the start of the season, I should say? Yeah, I think so. I think that the, the team has a lot of they really like him off the field and in terms of what he provides on the field, there's like a leadership component there and he will be fine in a wide nine because the point of a wide nine and the point of Schwartz's defense in that front is to, is to kind of mitigate the work that the defensive end has to do in terms of turning the corner uh, around the offensive lineman. And it just kind of lets the, the, the defensive uh, end rush in a straight line. And it's, you know, Barwin motor, whatever is going to, you know, work with a really strong interior defensive line rotation. I think that the Eagles are going to have, and he's going to work as a cleanup guy And the, and uh, Schwartz also like to use a, the wide nine with a three man front where you have, um, you know, the nose tackle and, and the two, two, um, four eye techniques. And then you have the two split, uh, split ends, the two wide nine ends uh, where basically it's an outside linebacker, you know, rush linebacker type of look. Uh, and I think that, Barwin's going to, you know, Barwin will look fine in that, in that type of role and maybe, yeah. And he's not going to be dynamic. 
he's not going to be what Brandon Graham or Vinny Curry, I think, are, are going to be able to provide in this in the system next year. But he'll be a fine rotational piece. Yeah, he's going to get it. He's getting paid quite a pretty penny for that. But I think that the Eagles are going to try to keep him. They really do like him. So, but don't you think that at this point you can go into the draft now and and pretty much try and just like you said, I mean, in a white nine, those guys succeed. That that's just basically what happens. Couldn't you? I don't know. Could you get yourself back into the second round, even the third round? Like, why? Why? How is Carl Nassib, uh not a better idea than than Connor Barwin? You know, that's that's kind of where my hangup is. Like, okay, I get it, I get you, and I and I say this with all all the greatest respect in the world because I love Connor Barwin to death. I do. I think he's I, what he did on the field plus what he does in the community is is second to none. I love that man so much, which pains me to say they shouldn't keep him on this football team because it's just too it is too expensive to have a guy there that's going to play 30% of the snaps for what he's providing when you have you know even uh if, i don't know maybe get lucky and you somehow get to the uh, Emmanuel Agba or uh, Noah Spencer or Shaq Lawson or any of those guys that are in their top tier there but uh even Charles Tapper that's what i'm saying like there's there's some decent defensive ends that could probably mold into here too so why I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I think they have to address that, too. I think that's their other major need right here that no one's, no one's again, <laughs> not that concerned about. Just the same they were last year. Like, this, there, there has to be a third pass rusher on this football team. While I do agree with you in a way, because I do think the value is mitigated, uh, it's also important to realize that this draft is not good for edge rushers. It's not. Uh, I mean, you have... Joey, you have Joey Bosa and you have Emmanuel Ogba and, and Noah Spence and everyone else after that. I mean, even those three, there's projection with it. Uh, there's projection and red flags to go along with those three players. And, and after that, there's still lots of projection, lots of red flags in terms of the rest of the guys in the class. So the team could be waiting it out. Uh, the team could be wanting to just keep him around in terms of seeing what they can get through the draft and maybe using using him even as a trade chip. Uh, on draft day because uh, God knows Cleveland needs help up front. Yeah. And if, and if they can sweeten the deal to move up to the second round, second pick in the draft and say, you know, we'll give you the eighth pick in the draft, uh, you know, a day two pick and here's Connor Barwin to throw in with it, then boom, there you go. So there, once again, there's a lot of options that the team has with Barwin has with uh, that top 10 pick. And, and they're probably just weighing everything right now. But like you said, I, I think that having People like Connor Barwin in the locker room, it's it's kind of invaluable. Uh, and the, if the team's coming from that same angle and, and want to keep uh, a high character type of player in the locker room, uh, it's going to be hard for me to argue with that because I'm I'm always propped up on my high horse over here. So, <laughs> well, no, and there is there is a ton of value there. Like I I would say the same thing, uh, you know, going back and forth with D'Amico Ryan's. You know, that was a huge piece of that there, even though he kind of fell apart this year. I think that's he was invaluable to the guys in that linebacking court. And that was even, you know, uh, said so. Uh, so I, I, I do understand that. I just think that there's I, don't know, I think that's one of the major things that has to be addressed there. All right. Let's get into uh, some questions, some other questions here uh, as we have uh, this is from J Lamb two, two, three. Ben, the best deep threats not named Coleman Fuller. Or Doxon, who do you like outside of those three guys? I think that people need to look over at Bowling Green State University oh. for uh, yeah for their wide receiver Roger Lewis. And Roger Lewis 
can burn in a straight line, but he actually kind of reminds me a lot of Nelson Aguilar, where he's able to create those that separation through really small movements in his route running. And that was where Aguilar was so good in college. And Lewis just absolutely dominated the Mac with uh, with that kind of just really good route running, good burst, really good ball tracking, and was just an excellent deep threat for them. And people don't talk about it, but Leontay Carew is an excellent deep threat for Rutgers yep. as well. And people don't think of him like that because he didn't run that four three, and he and he didn't, you know, he 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 doesn't like have those ridiculous type of plays that Will Fuller had when he was at Notre Dame, but he still was able to get open down the field, excellent ball skills, and was able to make plays, you know, those 20-plus yard plays. And um, another guy who I like, and it's a little he's a little bit more of a project, but Pharaoh uh, Cooper out of, yep. out of South Carolina is speed for days, and he can, you know, he can create down the field, and he can also take short passes and turn them into long gains. And I think that's what you're really looking for in this draft is that player who can create explosive plays. And I think Farrah Cooper would be an excellent day three pick uh, just to, you know, kind of coach him up. And because he's the type of player, you know, who has the ball. Once he has the ball in his hands, you know, anything can happen. So I would say Roger Lewis, Leonte Carew and Farrah Cooper are players who can create down the field who probably aren't getting as much press in that that part of their game and they should be getting it uh, i i'd only say i mean like it's the obvious one sterling shepherd i think is i don't know if you would classify him as a, a burner per se but uh, well of course he would but that's that's the other guy that i would kind of put on that list there uh uh here here's, here's a good one. Oh, you know what uh speaking of that seattle sam uh at uh harman 227 is also saying they can't possibly go into the season with this wide receiving core and i'm smelling that they draft treadwell at eight that's another interesting name that, again, was you know we were talking about when they were still at thirteen, but another player that I think is definitely in their range there that probably isn't talked about enough because I think, you know, he didn't run at the combine. He's not in that people's eyes. The people are again still with the recency bias of that thing going on. I think I would be very happy with Treadwell at eight as well. I think that's a smidge too high, but does it really matter? Not really. Would people be upset about that? Probably. Uh, what What about Treadwell at eight? Uh, the thing that that really sticks out to me about Treadwell is that he's a complete badass at the wide receiver position. Yes, and he hates defensive backs with a passion that I've never seen hatred being exalted in my life. I mean, he likes to hurt them when he catches the ball. He likes to hurt them when he after he catches the ball, and he likes to hurt them when he's blocking for running backs. I mean, just the the when you're looking at football players. You need to make sure that every single snap they are looking to embarrass and belittle the person across from them. Mm -hmm. And Laquan Treadwell does a fantastic job of embodying that principle. And there are concerns, you know, oh, you know, he might be too slow and he didn't run the 40 and whatever. <laughs> he he is an absolute monster at the catch point. He likes. He wants to run over guys after the catch, and like that. That the team needs that. The team had a serious issue with players being able to catch the ball last season, and if they can get that big body receiver who can you know dominate in the red zone like Treadwell was able to do this year, that would be fantastic. Now, in terms of whether or not that could actually happen, 
Peterson has a propensity to go for smaller, quicker type of wide receivers, which I think is why Corey Coleman is a lot more possible than Treadwell. I think that both, I think that Peterson's offense, uh, you know, Peterson and Reed's offense over the past three years has been a lot more favorable towards guys who can immediately separate uh, and guys who can, you know, really good route runners and everything like that. Where Treadwell kind of struggles as a player, where Treadwell is the type of player you really need to trust the catch point to box out the defensive back. And I I wonder how much that that's going to carry over to Philadelphia but I would, I mean, I, I would be happy with Treadwell in the top 10. I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL wide receiver. But I, I, I'm not sure as to whether or not the team would value his skill set over a guy like Corey Coleman. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, this kind of what, regardless of what happens here, and I think we'll just kind of close this thing out because I can't uh, really think of anything else that we didn't touch on thus far. But obviously, if we missed anything, we'll catch it on the next one. We'll go more in depth of whatever kind of Eagles news that happens here. But yeah, I, I what, at the end of the day, I think everybody for the most part is going to be happy. I think we all have our favorites, but the fact that we can even talk about these guys now being in range should be very exciting. And I think that there's a, a, a big possibility uh, that they move up a couple of spots to try and get their guy. I mean, I think they do have, uh, I do think they have a couple of, they obviously have some names that they want to go out and get after there. I don't think this is going to be a wait and see thing. I think if their guy is in range, they're going to try and work out a deal. How they pull that off, I don't know. But Mark Sanchez got traded for something. So, like, you know, how he can deal. That's that's the one thing that we can definitely say uh, about that. Ben, any final thoughts as we're rolling out here? No, sir. You know, as I woke up this morning, I completely forgot that uh, we didn't mention Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott uh, got nailed for a DUI. Eagles obviously have set up an official visit with him. I don't know exactly what this does to his draft stock. It's kind of low to begin with somewhere in the late day two, uh, early day three scenario. I could have seen him go fourth in the fourth round. I think this dips it a little bit, maybe into the fifth or sixth, Um, depending on what exactly are are the details with it. Has there been problems in the past that just haven't been reported? You know, that's what teams kind of have to look into, and I'm sure when they do an official visit, they'll kind of see. It doesn't really change at least the prospect, what he does on the field, uh, for me, uh, I think I'd still be interested in Dak Prescott. I still have Jacoby Brissett uh, above him. I think there's more value there as far as uh, the tools and the projection of what he eventually could be. I think Jacoby Brissett could be a starter in this league. I'm not sure Dak Prescott could. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Cardell Jones. I know Ben likes him a little more than I do. But those guys are still going to end up fourth, fifth round. I still am on the uh, Jacoby Brissett train. Other things that are also happening this morning, uh, it was late last night, some people started whispering about it, and now, according to Mark Eckel from NJ.com, it looks like the Eagles are seriously interested in Nick Fairley. Uh, D-Tackle, who obviously has Jim Schwartz connections, and it feels to me like that's why, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I feel like there are they are way listening to Schwartz on this thing. I think they really want to build this defense in, give him all the tools that he possibly can in year one, which is a good thing. And uh, I don't know if it's a bad thing yet. I don't know. We'll have to see how this kind of goes out and, and and happens here because if you, you know, are they listening to him a lot in the, in the draft room? Is that the sense of getting rid of Maxwell and Kiko? Obviously, I, th- I like I said, I would do that trade 10 times out of 10 again, but you know, does this kind of push them towards 
a corner uh, in the at eight to just push them towards Hargraves to, to to shore up that that defense. So this is again why I think Nolan Carroll is important. But regardless, Nick Fairley in the rotation at defensive tackle would be phenomenal. That would be awesome. You know, again, I I would be really excited by what the Eagles are doing and have done in free agency. It's hard not to like these moves. So just remember this later on in September and October and November that we were like, okay, we like the moves here. A lot of people have graded out the Eagles as having the best free agency period again, you know. So this this is kind of a continuous theme. Obviously, it wasn't like this last year. People had their doubts, and it was up and down, and what are they doing? And rightfully so. So here we are again, you know, the, winning the offseason, more or less. <laughs> So we'll have to see. But I would be very much interested in, in Nick Fairley if he's in this rotation. Just make that defensive line special. Make this defense spectacular. I've said that for a long time. I Go watch. I, I'm telling you, watch the 30 for 30 on the 85 Bears. Just the early first part of this again. It looks and feels like 1981 with the Chicago Bears. It really does. Please go get, you know, uh, an offensive player that's, <laughs> that can score points. Maybe they're already here. Maybe they're already here and they just need a different coach. Please, football, hurry up. Draft, get here. Once again, draft party uh, happening April 28th. Uh, that is the first round of the draft at Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue. All the details right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. That's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, for myself, John Barcher, for Mr. Ben Natan. Thank you for listening to episode number 154 right here. BleedingGreenNation.com You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.